This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. We're still talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we went through, uh, I think it was probably one of the best books of the Bible, the book of Job, the uh, last couple of weeks. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit had been working throughout human history all the way up to the point of, of Job. And today, uh, we're going to move a little bit forward in history. Now, we're, we're about 700 uh, B.C. And during this day and time, Israel is experiencing, at this point, a economic boom. They're in the best place financially, geographically, militarily they have ever been. For instance, uh, this is considered the Silver Age. Um, if you anybody heard of King Uzziah, so King Uzziah was was the king, and and he reigned for I don't know about forty some years as king, and they had a time of peace and expansion. And he had a son named Jotham. He reigned for 16 years. I think it's like a total of 16 years they had of, of peace. And this is probably one of the best times in Israel's history. But God raises up Isaiah and many other prophets during this time. Because even though this country has experienced economic expansion, their GDP, gross domestic product is expanding. Their, their geographical the land that they own is expanding. God is beginning to tell them about judgment. And there are a variety of sins that they happen to be struggling with, but most people miss these sin they talk about in, in Isaiah that they struggle with the most. And anybody remember uh, when Isaiah talks about why we're supposed to fast 
What, what, what should be the outcome of fasting? Anybody remember that scripture? Go ahead and say it loud. Change. But, but then you're, you would actually do what? Somebody know the scripture. Anybody? Set the oppressed to go free. Set the oppressed free. Help those people who are poor. So even though Israel's experiencing prosperity, they actually have some of the greatest disparities in their history. And God begins to bring prophets to preach against this. Now, they begin to send out their worship of the gods and all these other things started to, to happen as well. But even if you remember the book of Ezekiel, it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah's sin. And Sodom and Gomorrah's sin was very similar. What does it say that Ezekiel Sodom's sin was? It wasn't anybody? Nobody knows that's it? Homosexuality. They were helping the poor. They were prideful. And a lot of people who are Bible-believing people, people say, well, we're in a country where you work hard, and because you work hard, you should get what you deserve. But, but understand that during this day and time, God cared about the poor, even in Israel. And today, He still cares about the poor. He always will. Now, now you have to understand that this was the sin underlying the nation. Now, now Isaiah is rising up as a leader. He preaches some almost 80 years. He has about four different kings he goes through. He, he prophesies a prophecy that lasts over 700 years. Now, now let me give you some credit. Let me hopefully give you some understanding or context with the book of Isaiah. Historically, scholars thought the book of Isaiah was written in two different by two different authors. So Isaiah chapter 1 through 39, they thought were, was written by Isaiah himself. And they think Isaiah died. He passed on his scrolls to the disciples. And later on, they, they actually finished from, from the rest of the chapter all the way from uh, verse, from chapter 40 to all the way to chapter um, 66. Okay, I'll spray there. Now, why is this important? So, remember, the Bible really didn't have chapters or numbers. But does anybody know how many books are in the Bible? Uh, 66, right? 72 if you include the Catholic. Okay, but we're not including that today. Yeah. <laughs> so, in our current Bible, how many, how many that we have as Protestants, how many books are in there? 66. 60. How many chapters are in Isaiah? 66. Now, what's even more interesting, how many, how many books are in the Old Testament? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine books. How many, how many chapters did I talk about earlier in the first part of Isaiah? Thirty-nine. How many books are in the New Testament? Twenty-seven. And how many chapters in the second part of Isaiah? Twenty-seven. Now, what's interesting, the Old Testament talks about judgment and the, and the coming Messiah who never came in the Old Testament. Do you know what the first part of Isaiah talks about? The coming Messiah who, who didn't come. But the New Testament talks about the Messiah who came and the, and the benefits for those people who trust the Messiah. Do you, anybody know what the New Testament and second Isaiah talk about? Exact same thing. See, if you look at Isaiah, you basically have the entire Bible condensed. A lot of people love Isaiah chapter 40 all the way to 66 because that's the good stuff. God's kingdom and miracles and blessing. That's what most pastors say and preach about. But people don't touch that first one through 39 too much. Mm -hmm. 
Because they're like, I won't like that judgment part, God. I don't want to hear about that. But understand, the book of Isaiah is just a mini version of our entire Bible. Do you think that happened by accident? No. God has a plan for your life, and he's in absolute control of all things. And it's important because when Isaiah comes up, he starts to preach judgment. Now, what's even more interesting about Isaiah, it doesn't even start chronologically, sequentially correct. It starts kind of in the middle, and then when you get to chapter 6, it goes back to the beginning. It's, it's weird, but it even mirrors how the Bible is structured because it starts off talking about the problems and then finally gives the solution. But that solution doesn't come up until the end. Now, what's even more interesting is that for years, scholars said it was two different books, two different authors, until they found something called the Dead Sea Scrolls. They're actually the most ancient writings that we have. So, so what they discovered is these writings that were predated all the other documents we had, they found one complete scroll of Isaiah from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 66. And it completely changed scholarship. Because when people start realizing, oh my gosh, one guy wrote this. This guy was prophesying stuff to the moment. He was talking about King Cyrus coming 150 years before Cyrus even came to Israel, called his name and the time he would come. See, God is the God of history. Sometimes we struggle trusting what he's doing in our lives moment by moment. The reason why this is important, as I said, because Israel started to hear judgment and they're getting scared. What is going on? Isaiah is preaching. We, we eventually know Isaiah, he dies. Anybody remember how he died? He got put in a tree, a hollow tree. And Manasseh, King Manasseh, who was the most wicked king Israel ever had, Judah ever had, saw them in half. Book of Hebrews, the Bible references it. It says, Son, or what? Son of Sunday. And then the King James. Oh, the King James, I'm sorry. <laughs> like Isaiah died for his faith. Isaiah is a prophet, and a prophet is one who, who speaks for God. He's God's mouthpiece. A prophet is the one who represents God to the people, and the priest is the one who represents the people to God. But the office of a prophet is one who has God's spirit in him. Now, Isaiah, we don't have much record of him doing all these miracles, but we know he was filled with God's spirit because of the words that came out of his mouth and because of all the things that happened that came true. Now, what most people don't realize is how the Spirit has been working throughout human history. The Spirit has been pointed in one direction the entire time. The Holy Spirit, from the very beginning of the Bible, has been pointing to Jesus. When you look at somebody in the Bible, in context, they are foreshadowing, particularly in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ. So when you, when you think about the power of the Spirit, it's simply there to say, hey, Jesus is coming, Jesus is here, or Jesus is coming back soon. And that's the point of the Spirit today. Even today, you look at people who have God's Spirit in their lives, and that thing is there for one reason. He is there to point to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. When you have the Holy Spirit function in your life, you are an example, you are a billboard of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and was given the Holy Spirit without measure. 
The Bible says Jesus did so many miracles that if we could, if we could write everything he did, this is what John says. He said the entire world could not even contain the volume of books regarding the works of Jesus Christ. John said, I wrote what I wrote about Jesus simply so that you may come to faith in him. Mm-hmm. So the things we said, remember, remember that one part when Jesus spit on the ground and touched somebody? And people get like, what? I mean, but I mean that's crazy. But he was doing stuff like that all the time. We just don't have record of it because that wasn't profitable for us to come to faith. We have all the recorded miracles we need to trust Jesus. And why was he just given the spirit without measure? Because he was the one we've been trying to talk about from the beginning of human history. From John chapter, excuse me, from Genesis chapter 3, 15 to 16, about the seed who would come. All the way to John chapter 3, 16, for God's Lord, he would send his son. The Bible has been talking about one man from the beginning all the way to the end. Jesus Christ, amen, who had the Holy Spirit without measure. Now, why did he have the Holy Spirit without measure? Because he wanted something, God, to identify the Messiah. That's how we know who he is. Israel needed a superhero. And a superhero would have the Holy Spirit. We need a superhero. The Holy Spirit is that hero. And he's in Christ. And now today, because you place your faith in him, you have God's spirit in you now. And he can help you overcome obstacles. He can help you live a better life. He can help you live a better life. He can help you have a better marriage. He can help you out of a lot of problems. But the point of the spirit in you is the point to Christ. When you overcome a situation, it's not just for you to say, man, I'm balling. I passed that test. I lost 38 pounds. Now I, I, I got this new house. It's not just to say, hey, look at look how good I'm doing. It's to say, my gosh, God's spirit is in me. Yes. And it's in me because he's trying to say, I am following Christ. And if you want this blessing too, you follow Christ as well. Amen. Amen. It's all pointing to Jesus. Can we go to the first survey? We're going to take two polls today, one at the beginning of the sermon and one at the end of the sermon. And the first one, if, if you have your phone, I want you to type, let me see, um, text Anthony Bass 861-222333. And if you watch it on Facebook, you can do the same thing. So text this number to this number, 2233, and then text this name. Anthony Bass, 861. So if you have your phone, pull it out. And the question today, we have the first question. Describe yourself in one word. When Tony Stark was saying who he is to the world, he said, what? I'm Iron Man. He's identified by his suit. Now, my favorite superhero, Batman, he's Batman. You know, he's that because of like, like his suit, right? Because he can fight and all this stuff. All right. Describe yourself in one word. I like that group with loyal. I like that one. Provider. I'm going to make an assumption who did that, but I'm not going to do it. Kind. If I had to say describe yourself in one word, what word would you use? So, when 
when God was trying to figure out a mechanism to identify the Messiah through our human history, God couldn't say somebody built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Big muscle guy. Because then everybody would be like, what? Taking steroids. Like, I'm the Messiah! <laughs> right? Look at me. I got, I got guns. Patrick Sean. Hey, we got guns like Patrick Sean. That's the Messiah! <laughs> couldn't say he was super smart, right? Because we think all smart people would be like, that's the Messiah because they're smart. Or the best fighter. I mean, how many great warriors have we had in human history? Right? Like, that's the Messiah. But what God did, he said, I'm going to give somebody the spirit without measure. And that person, he is the Messiah. He's the one you look at. But see, for us, that's not how we identify ourselves. When people look at me, they say, hey, this is a guy who uh, he played for the Vikings. He's an African-American guy. Some people say black guy. Some people say he's a man. Some people say he's silly. Some people say he's a nerd. Like, you know, all these descriptive words describe who I am. Awkward, weird. Like, all those things work for me. But that's not how we identify the Messiah. None of those attributes would work. The Messiah had to have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, without measure. And that's how we put our flag with Jesus Christ. Nobody else performed the volume of miracles that Jesus Christ did. We have evidence, even we have extra biblical, meaning information outside the Bible of Jesus Christ performing miracles. Josephus even talks about it. We knew the man Jesus was doing stuff. Even in secular writings, we know that Jesus was performing acts that were amazing. Some people would call it magic. That was a part of who he was. And why did he did that, do that? Because he was trying to say, I am the one who was prophesied about from the beginning. Place your faith and trust in me. Amen. Amen. All right. You go to the scripture now. It says, faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. Hmm. Can I get an amen? Amen. Why is that important? Because I always see this every time. When people don't have struggling, nothing's going on, they, oh, I got super faith. I believe God. And then as soon as trouble time comes, they start crying. Where are you, God? <laughs> but he's there. He leaves. Next slide. Hold on to your faith, even during the storm. Chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 5, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5 says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow up out of his roots. Now, what the scripture is referring to is how the Messiah would come. A, a rod from Jesse, this is a lineage, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And anybody understand a branch, that's, it's, a, it's a small part of the what? Of the tree. And so, even though this isn't the, the trunk, it's a small part. So, we're, so when we're looking for the Messiah, one of the indicators where it will come out from the, be a descendant of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. So, we know who Jesse is. Jesse is the father of who? David. David. Now, this is two. This is the most important part. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is the Messiah. The Holy Spirit shall rest. The meaning is not just coming and leaving. It's staying there. The wisdom, excuse me, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He's referencing simply in a variety of ways the same entity, the same person, the Holy Spirit. What Isaiah is saying, he said, this is what I see. Remember, Isaiah is prophesying. He said, this is what I see regarding the Messiah. 
The spirit of the Lord has rested upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit shall stay upon the one who is the Messiah. There's a lot of people today that now are saying they're the Messiah. You know that? There's people all over the world saying they're Jesus now. Did everybody know that? Go to Google it right now, YouTube it. There's people all over. But you know what they don't have? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> they don't have the Holy Spirit at all. Particularly saying they're Jesus. It says, three, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the what? Poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Understand why is this important? Because Israel's like, man, we're going to be judged. How are we going to get out of it? Now, understand most of Israel was judged, but there was a remnant that remained. And this message is for those people. Because remember, they're going to go into captivity. The northern kingdom is going to be annexed by Assyria. And the southern kingdom is going to go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. This prophetic message isn't even for the people who are there now. It's for their kids. And it's for us. It goes on to say, 5. Righteous shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Next slide, please. First point, the Messiah was identified by his empowerment of the fullness of the Spirit of God. This is how the Messiah was known. Not because he was strong, not because he was cute, not because he was fast, not because he was a warrior, not specifically because of his lineage, but even though his lineage was a part of it, but specifically because he was empowered by God's Holy Spirit. That's important because that's identifying mark of the people who are separated by God. And Jesus Christ was ultimately separated for the work of reconciliation of all humanity. Next slide. The fullness of the Spirit of God was an indication that He was and is God's anointed one to save humanity. This is an easy thing to say, but sometimes it's hard to trust. There, there are people who have challenges believing in God. Today, we live in a culture that is trying to discredit Jesus Christ. We have a culture today that even says maybe Jesus Christ lived, but he was just a love guy. He was really nice and kind. He would never hurt anybody's feelings. But this is the same Jesus Christ was saying, what? He was turning tables. He was saying, how will you be escaped from going to hell? Talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you hypocrites. Like, he, he didn't care how you felt. He was trying to save your soul. And sometimes you got to hurt somebody's feelings in order to get them to go in a different direction. Well. And I know that's contrary to our current culture. Because now, within the culture, that you hurt somebody's feelings, you're what? Bad. Mm -hmm. That's a sin in our culture. Now, that's what it's hard for me to believe that because I'm used to playing football and getting yelled at by coaches. Right. The coach yelled at me. I had to play. Yes, sir. And go out and do what he said. Because the most important thing was for me to respond. Now, I did have coaches that said, you know what? You could do better. And sometimes that worked. But sometimes what worked was, I'm going to What I'm trying to say is you can't just say God only acts one way all the time. Paul says, have you tried to win those people with tears? We try everything to get people to know there is a cliff coming. And God said, listen, 
The Messiah is going to have the Spirit. He's the one going to listen to what He says because He said there's a cliff coming for all humanity. Turn. Next slide. Trust the one who the Holy Spirit fully empowered. How many times do you have challenges trusting God's words? Anybody? It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Why is it difficult to trust God's word? You know, we live in a weird time because right now every single word I talk about can be contradicted. You can Google everything I say. I, as I was studying for this sermon, I found I went to a, a Jewish scholar who contradicted everything a Christian believes about Christ. I went to an atheist scholar who contradicted everything a Jewish person and a Christian believes about Christ. Like you can find a lot of information out there, but is it the truth? Now, the problem is you're like, how do I discern what's false and what's real? So there's a lot of people out there who have information, who have opinions about God. But understand, those who have placed their trust in the Messiah are the ones who in the end will be considered righteous and just. The world is very complex. And it's chaotic, and we can't even predict what's going to happen next. But we know God knows all things because how on earth did he get it exactly right unless he knew exactly where it would be and what we would need. Next one. Allow yourself to be led by righteousness. Jesus Christ is God's righteousness. And we're the rights of God in Christ Jesus concerning him. Like, this is the only way. I, I currently work in uh, the United Way as well, at the United Way, we're trying to fight poverty. It's complex. You think about just helping people who are poor. You, you think you give them money, they should be okay, but that's not reality. Now, at the organization I work at, they're trying to do holistic services. What that means is that you, you have to take care of every aspect of somebody's life in order to get them out of poverty. And research says that you have to have 20 years of good fortune to happen to you. No tragedies in order to escape the net of poverty. And, and have you ever talked to someone who is homeless or poor? It's not just they're not they're lazy. That, that's an excuse not to help people. There are people out there who want to make it. Who want to get out of their challenges, their struggles. I think that the church, by and large, since the Reformation has been impeded on helping those people who are poor. Because what happens in your culture, when you stop helping the poor, then God isn't using you. Remember, God says, he who does what to the poor is lending to God. He who gives to the poor is lending to God. You can say all you want, but biblically, you're not going to find a response not to help the poor. You never will. And biblically, that's the evidence that you are saved. One of them. That you have God's Spirit in you. God's Spirit is within me to help those people who are oppressed, who are broken, who need to be set free. You're like, wait a minute. And I'm going to talk about politics. I'm so far away from politics. I'm, politics are way over there. But for the church to be the church, we have to have right teaching. But we have to help those people who are in need. 
And that's why I'm thankful for Haley's event that's coming up. We're going we're to give to people who need it. There, there are going to be some great people, great families, who just need a little helping hand. That's to me what the church is about. Making disciples who make disciples who help the world and expand God's kingdom. That's righteousness. We're expanding God's kingdom for His glory. And people, they, they see us come to their house and bring turkeys. I don't need turkey. They, they, they see us bring what? Uh, stuffing. I'm on playing with all these stuffing. They eat that stuff, right? They eat it and they love it. I'm like, thank you, God, for helping me. Next one. Understanding the mystery of Christ is understanding our history. This is, this is about you. The story of Jesus is your story. Somehow, there should be an example of Jesus Christ's gospel being lived out in your life. Somehow, you should have changed from doing your will and pursued on to doing God's. And the Holy Spirit somehow should impact your life pointing to Jesus. This mystery is your history. And hopefully this mystery is your future. Can we go back to that other survey? Describe ourselves in one word. It was cool to see all the different descriptive words we used, but how, how would you describe God? You had to just narrow it all down. Do we have to activate it again? Lord God, we have a reason to hope. So Lord God, we're going to leave this place today 
Father God, have the courage to make disciples, to preach the gospel, Father God. We need you, Father God, to help to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable for your greater name's Bless those who have need. Bless those, Lord God, who need encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. My search is over. on my